Hello and welcome to the Broadcast News Wrap, your shorthand guide to the week's TV news stories brought to you by the Broadcast Editorial Team. I'm senior reporter Max Goldbart. This week we will be focusing on the fallout from the tragic killing of George Floyd in the US, the Black Lives Matter movement and the ripple effect that is being felt within the UK TV industry. Our international editor John Elms is joined by John Acomphora, the Grierson award-winning director and co-founder of production company Smoking Dogs Films, to discuss how TV must seize the opportunity now to act. Then, broadcast reporter Desiree Ibuqua and editor-in-chief Chris Curtis are on hand for an in-depth analysis of the state of play regarding diversity and inclusion in the industry, as we discuss the media's response, why dedicated diversity schemes just aren't enough, and Channel 4's call for films from Black Britons. Hi, Des, and hi, Chris. How are we doing? Very well, thanks, Max. Nice to speak to you. Hello, Des. Hello. Good stuff. It's lovely (laughs) to have the two of you on once again. Uh, First of all, um, I think we're going to go to an interview that our international editor, John Elms, did earlier with John Acomphora. John has been described variously as one of the UK's most pioneering filmmakers. He is the Grierson award-winning director of The Hansworth Songs, which examined the fallout from the 1985 Hansworth riots, and also runs his own production company, Smoking Dogs Films. He has been a governor of both the BFI and Film London. So John Elms caught up with John earlier today. I just wanted to start by asking you personally about how are you doing and what is your immediate response to the situation that's going out across the states and in the uk probably like i would say 99.9 percent of people of color slightly shocked by and taken aback by the moment not because it's unfamiliar per se you know Mm -hmm. um there's no one i don't know any black person who doesn't realize or live in a world where they think white entitlement and privilege over determines their life mm. you know every, everyone knows that but what's shocking about this is that you what you didn't realize was the extent to which that entitlement could prove fatal you didn't think that that someone with absolute impunity given the fact that they were being filmed by at least two people would still feel entitled to take a life in such a banal way. I think that's a shocking thing for, for most of us. And that does make the situation we're in slightly different. I think the quote-unquote violence of the response has to do with that, has to do with the fact that, that people realise this is an exceptional situation. But it's an exceptional situation which seems to embody a kernel of dark truth about racism and how it works you know Um, I mean it's just uh, it feels like um, another planet frankly given given the conversations we were having before this feels like a a moment of profound transformation It, it just feels like it I hadn't had so many letters or messages from organizations saying we take on board what's happening we want to do something we want to want to change we want we want to see change you know so it clearly feels like this poor man didn't die in vain it feels as if it's become um like a catalyst for 
a lot of reflection and self-reflection. Whether the changes that clearly are in motion will prove long-lasting, transformative, uh, I don't know. But, but at least one senses that something's is moving. You're uh, a multi-hyphenate, an academic, a filmmaker, an artist. So you cover you cover many bases. Um, but speaking specifically to, I mean, the the Black Audio Film Collective, you and and your long-term collaborators Lena and David, you know, started off with Hansworth songs, uh, which seems like a, a very pertinent documentary considering the times we are in. And then you you followed that up with Smoking Dogs films. As a producer, what can the production community do to support, you know, movements like Black Lives Matter and improve their own responses? What can the production community do to be part of this conversation? I mean, I think there are a number of things that could happen uh, inside of our industry. Just more people of colour working in it would help. It sounds very trite, and we've been saying it. I've been saying this for as long as I can remember. But, but just that alone would help. Mm. And actually, it feels as if the opposite is happening, you know, certainly behind the camera. When, when we started, there seemed to be a few more production companies run by people of colour than there are now. I think there's a kind of hyper-visibility of, of black people in front of the camera. I'm not sure that that's mirrored behind yes these are moments when you do have to ask well why not why shouldn't there be more people of color in these positions why should people accept these forms of privileges quote unquote as as spaces reserved for just white people i mean i don't understand i don't understand why in 2020 we we have to have this situation where there just ain't enough black people working in the industry the creative diversity network that that is their response as well that the the representation is still in 2020 so low it was instructive i think to to point out that mo gilligan yesterday tweeted that for all the broadcasters who had expressed solidarity with george floyd by respecting blackout tuesday he, he tweeted yesterday that uh, it is they've all gone very quiet now uh, even his you know the broadcaster he often works for channel 4 he said don't be posting hashtag black lives matter if you're not going to change the landscape of the industry you're part of do you think that he has he's right that broadcasters need to be more obviously supportive i mean you know it's great to have these rhetorical flourishes of solidarity and people understandably being shocked by what happened, then feeling, okay, well, we need to show that we disprove. That's great, and that's fine. But, but I think you're also right to point out that uh, we all exist, operate, work in specific landscapes and ecologies. And we have to make sure that in the ones that we inhabit, the things that we're shouting against outside do not happen inside it. In other words, the sorts of privileges that allows a police officer to take a black life with impunity are privileges which are not necessarily wholly in that, in that space of policing. You find those patterns of privilege and racialized authorities in all walks of life. And so if you're in television or you're in film and you've posted something saying you're shocked by this, do something in your own world. Why not? This morning we, we reported on broadcast that Channel 4 had subsequently issued a call for black filmmakers to um, submit pitches for 
for short films, fast turnaround films in, in response to the death of George Floyd, yeah. which some people have seen as, as a step. How far is TV in general anywhere close to getting it right on race and its, its, its in, involvement <laughs> of black and minority ethnic creators i'm not so involved with with broadcasts now as i was in the past you know so i'm not absolutely sure about two things one the extent to which the changes i'm talking about could happen and two what the specific ground stuff basically what's happening on a day-to-day basis what i would say is this when we made hands were songs it was the first film that that i made i'd worked as an artist in tape slide and installation pieces and performances, but this is the first film we made. You've got to trust people. You've got to trust that they have the wherewithal. If they feel passionately enough about something and feel they have the desire to speak, they will find a way to speak. You don't need to put all these kids through five-minute films because it's like, oh, well, you know, they're too young, they wouldn't know how to handle an hour. If they are passionate enough about what they're doing, they can do something more than that. So let, let's not, you know, let's not start by thinking, oh, we'll just give 10 five-minute films to a number of, of kids. You know, I want to see more landmark stuff. But I want to see something that would last in the same way that people tell me Hansel Songs is lasting. Something that comes out of these moments that in the future we can look back on and think, oh, wow, this, is, this really did capture uh, something that's going on now. And I don't get the feeling that's what's happening. I've been approached by lots of people to do stuff, but, you know, it shouldn't be people like me. You know, give people a chance to say things that are important, and sometimes that takes time. This is a landmark moment. It needs projects to market in a landmark way. So, Des, turning to you first, what what was your kind of initial reaction to what happened in the US? Uh, And also, specifically here in the UK, what have you thought of the response? Look, like a central tenant of... Uh, Black Lives Matter is thinking about how white people in society more generally value the lives of black people and I think it's you know a time for the British media to evaluate how they themselves value black lives not just existentially which of course we should should all be thinking about but also how they platform those voices and how they include those voices so I think one of the things that have happened or has been exposed by by the British press's reaction is the fact that most newsrooms don't have a single black person in them so if you look at the coverage is that it seems very, you know, separate. So you're talking about US Black Lives Matter and then framing the UK protest as something that's done simply in solidarity or sometimes superfluous, which is just not true. And I think the interview between Maitlis and um, George the Poet on Newsnight was especially exposing in that she said with incredulity that, you know, it's just not the same here, which kind of is that lack of diversity coming back to roost in a way because it's incredibly problematic. The media industry generally broadcasting, but especially broadcast journalism needs to address the fact that, you know, there aren't many black voices to talk about these these instances and tie in together the Black Lives Matter movement in America and the fact that in the UK there's obviously instances of police brutality and police overreach in our communities as well. Yeah, it was interesting to see, wasn't it, George the Poet, who was the guest, this was Newsnight uh, a couple of nights ago on Tuesday, I believe, and, and she slightly disparagingly trying to push the point that the situation in the UK is very different to, to that in the US, uh, to, to which he listed off five, six examples of, of actually very similar actions that are taking place to to what happened with George Floyd. I don't know what you think, Des, but it, it seems to me that there has been a bit of a rush in the media to distance 
the UK and the US. And that kind of goes beyond just an Emily Maitlis Newsnight interview, but that's how it's felt a little bit. Yeah, very much so. And and again, I really want to hammer home this point, the fact that, you know, there aren't a lot of black people in the media and these kind of nuanced points that come from a place of experience just aren't getting into those places and that's really disappointing because if you just see it as something that's being done in solidarity it kind of seems like it's oh these are just people that are making trouble for no reason when uh, I think there are really important points to be made about what the police are doing in this country as well it's it's disappointing it goes beyond mateless and it's is the kind of deep structural issue that you know the industry needs to work on chris what do you think of the of the tv industry's response over here so far oh look it's these things are so it was almost a question of where do you even start i thought des made some really good points i think the issue is that just picking up on what des said that comparisons don't really help anyone and the moment you start comparing oh what's racism like in the us compared to what's racism like in the uk it doesn't benefit anyone and i thought i don't know if you saw the justin trudeau clip where he was invited to criticize trump and the american response and and he did and any right-minded person i think i hope can't believe the people listening to this there'd be too many of them that, that feel like the, the way the American government and establishment and law enforcement have, have responded is anything other than pretty disgusting, really. But he didn't take the bait for the storyline and he started to talk about Canada and Canadians. And I think that's sort of what the industry needs to do with this as well, which is we can gaze across the Atlantic to the problems in America and we should do that and we must offer our support and let the American people know well, I believe that hopefully the majority of British people's values are different to those that are being espoused in the US, but that in the end with these things, all you can really do is look to yourselves and look to your sphere of influence and look to your own behaviours and your own opportunities. And the big thing for me, and I'm, I'm trying to find the right words for this, speaking to you now, and I'm trying to find the right words for a leader that I'm writing for this week, is for the industry to to, to try to use this as a moment for a, as a catalyst for change because we've been talking about change for so long and, and I don't believe that the barriers to those change are because that the leaders of the industry or the people who work in the industry are racist I believe that the, the, the barriers to change come in when good intentions slip through the cracks of time and money pressure and all the different ruthless challenges of working that we have And this feels to me like an opportunity for the industry to say, you know, no more and to pull the handbrake and reassess things. It seems trite for me as the editor of a television trade magazine to say that black lives matter. Of course they do. And it would be madness to take any other view. But what we need to do to make that real is say, okay, so how is the British television industry going to move towards becoming more inclusive and better representing and offering a better platform for black people and indeed any section of society that has been woefully underrepresented over the years Mm. and that would sort of be my starting point really i've been covering the tv industry for a couple of years so not not a huge amount of time but not a short period of time and it does seem like already these conversations have been had a few times and it's sort of every few months something might spark this sort of conversation it almost feels like what can be done differently almost and i I think again in in the interview that we just heard between john elms and John Acomfra. John Acomfra touched upon the situation behind the camera uh, and how there's a real gulf between on screen and off screen. He positioned us as, as an industry as, as going in the wrong direction. 
behind the camera. So, so I, wa I wonder if you've, either of you have got any thoughts really on, on some general solutions. Um, I think, you know, like you said, that these things have been discussed for years and I think it deserves like a, a radical response. You know, I haven't been covering the TV industry for very long, but what I do understand is that while people may say that they're not racist, like structures are racist and there's such things as microaggressions. I grew up in a super hyper-diverse area since going to the University of Bristol for the last six years. I've been in white spaces and people don't think that they're racist, but they like some, some things that they say and do can be exclusionary. And I think there needs to be a radical overhaul of the way that we think about schemes, right? So with Channel 4 and the fact that they've commissioned a number of short form, fast turner and short form shows, that's great. But you need to be more radical and more effort or more, more resource behind things like that, because I think we can be talking about this for the next 20 years, but this is a time... This is a chance, like Chris said, to really change the way that we do things in the in the industry. Yeah, I mean, Des, again, Des has summarised that very well. The The reality is there are not enough senior commissioners in the industry of colour. There are not enough controllers, channel controllers of colour. There are not enough indie bosses of colour. And the challenge the industry has always had is that is how you address that and the time, in theory, it takes to address that because it's hard to give someone who lacks the traditionally required experience the job of a channel controller let's say but that just becomes a a log jam because the pipeline of people coming through isn't there and you only break these cycles with decisive action and placing faith in people whether that's on an executive level or a creative level to go above and above and beyond and just offer people opportunity and, and risk-taking and money, frankly, are at the heart of this. And I've been thinking about a lot about this today. Continuity is the enemy of the industry at the moment. Doing things the way they've always been done, hiring people the way it's always been done, going back to the people you've always gone back to, going back to the companies you've always gone back to. The industry is too homogenous. I think that's one of the things that we're sort of talking about really. I think people recognise that, but it's been difficult to go from the good intentions at the top of the industry to actually realise genuine change. And that's where things have failed in the recent period of time. When, when I mean, say recent, I mean, in decades and decades, there just hasn't been sufficient change. The industry needs to take this opportunity and grasp it and be braver and bolder than ever before. And I do believe still in the validity and the importance of schemes and entry-level activity but in and of itself that's insufficient and at every level of the industry talented people whether these are people of color whether disabled people whatever talented people who come from underrepresented groups need to be earmarked and fast-tracked frankly and only when senior people the range of people holding senior roles in the industry is far far broader will any sort of genuine change take place i believe well i wasn't sure of my own my own thoughts towards the channel four short films which uh, we wrote about earlier today thursday the the 4th of june uh, but des you've touched upon them channel four issues call out for black british filmmakers but these films are going to be around five minutes long and will comprise part of a a, a sort of scheme of programs almost uh, like a strand and i've already seen since that story came out there as some grumblings on twitter saying why can't these films be 60 minutes long why can't they be put out throughout the year why can't they just become part of the established channel 4 schedule rather than being off in this place over here and 
being short and have it having that kind of feel to them. This is a quick fire response from Channel 4 and, and I'm sure some of these films will be great. So I wonder if, if you think there's help or, or hindrance when it comes to that sort of thing. I would just also like to say about the commission of those short form programmes is that it's been spearheaded by two mm-hmm. you know, amazing women of colour. So like, I think it's great that they've been able to put this together um, so quickly and it's obviously a, a real show of solidarity with the people that will be starring and making those films and I, I don't know the, the internal politics of that but you know they're making something and that is something but sometimes there needs to be a bigger kind of buy-in right now you know things are slowly returning to production but like there may be still be gaps in the schedule and why not fill that with black britons who are making films it's a help i wouldn't say it's a hindrance not at all but i think we need to be moving quicker and being bolder in our decisions because i think we're just going to be teetering around the edges for for another decade yeah. that's what it felt to me a, a, a little bit like chris you were you were talking earlier on about radical thinking and with something like that it just did seem there was a little bit of we we've seen this before bbc2 for example l- last year did a a season of British Asian films and the year before that it did did a season of of black British programming along those lines. It's it's, it's always quite difficult with these things, I think, to assess in that respect. Yeah, look, you have to be careful. There's an element of you're damned if you do and you're damned Mm. if you don't. Agreed. And I wouldn't sit here and say anything other than to Channel 4 than well done for responding quickly and doing something. But no one believes that in and of itself is, is meaningful in terms of shifting the dial. It might be. Maybe it will spark a career for a few people. Maybe it will give someone a, a leg up they wouldn't otherwise have got. All of these things in isolation are window dressing, right? And I applaud Channel 4 for getting off the mark quickly and doing it. So well done. And I'm not, I'm not going to be critical of that. I mean, you know, we could have a conversation about why Michaela Cole's new drama is playing at 10.45 on BBC One. Now, the response to that might be, well, originally it was a BBC Two show and they bumped it up to BBC One. So they're giving it more prominence. So there's shades of grey in everything. There's nuance in everything. It's not helpful always to be binary and say this is good and this is bad. You know, we as an industry must be wary of that. But I think it is undoubtedly the case that small steps aren't going to cut it anymore. It would be great, wouldn't it, if the industry could get joined up on some of these things, if there could be a meaningful sort of task force across the industry to try and address this, if more information was shared more readily by rival organisations. For more coverage on the unfolding events related to the Black Lives Matter protests, including a comment piece from journalist and campaigner Marcus Ryder on the challenges facing broadcasters around inclusion, head over to the Broadcast Now website. Thank you for listening to this week's Broadcast News Wrap. I've been senior reporter Max Goldbart, and you've been listening to Grierson Award-winning director John Acomfra in conversation with our international editor, John Elms, reporter Desiree Ibiqua, and editor-in-chief Chris Curtis. You can check out the pod on Spotify and iTunes, or on the website via www.broadcastnow.co.uk.